building better relationships at home and at work for people who have more than enough on their plate. Two coaches dangling the possibility of finding joy in your relationships. Do you dare to consider life can be better? Have a listen and tell us why. In this episode, Angela and Patty discuss people-pleasing and how it can cause disappointment with relationships, whether within yourself and relating to others. Angela and I would like to give a big shout out to one of our listeners, Jeremiah. Thank you for your comment saying, this is fantastic about episode 30, getting over mistakes and the fears of getting it wrong. We appreciate you, Jeremiah. Thank you. People pleasers are very helpful and usually don't say no when someone asks them for a favor. They spend a great deal of time doing things for others and disregard their own needs. Being a people pleaser can cause disappointment because not everyone has the same kind heart or good intentions. They can attract people who will take advantage of their generosity. Angela and I are both going to share experiences of being a people pleaser and the lessons we have learned. I had a situation when I was younger. I had a roommate who didn't pay their share of the rent. Each month, she made some kind of excuse why she couldn't pay. I didn't stand up for myself, and she lived rent-free for many months. Then she finally moved out without paying her share. I felt taken advantage of, used, and very sad that someone could do that. Throughout my life, I had seemed to attract some people who would take advantage of my kind nature whether at work or in my personal life. I've learned to see the warning signs of people-pleasing tendencies and those of the users and takers. Some life lessons were heartbreaking. Wow. So it sounds like, Patty, that people-pleasers develop naturally because they actually want to help people and want to believe in the best side of people, but they may not be aware of the darker side of people. Would you say that's true or how do you see it? How do you explain the incongruence in the brain of a people pleaser when other people don't act in good faith? Yes, they are very helpful and they see the good in people and want to believe that others see the good in them. They are shocked or taken aback when people think they are only being nice and have an agenda for it. It offends them that others don't think of them being genuine or honest. They are loyal friends and expect their friends to be loyal back. When a friend, spouse, family member, or coworker betrays them, they take it very hard and usually will not forgive that person. It's like a slap in the face or a stab in the back. Very personal. 
it sounds like you speak from experience. And the funny thing is, um, Patty and I are both Taurus sun sign in the horoscope. So as you're talking, Patty, you're describing a typical Taurus. We do good for others and expect the same. We're loyal and we expect others to be loyal. But if it doesn't get reciprocated in the same way or the way we expect, we can actually turn into a little tantrum and, <laughs> and be quite nasty to people who are not like that to us. You're right, Angela. It, yes, this it has been a very personal experience for me in the past. <laughs> what are a few traits of a people pleaser? They seek approval and words of affirmation. They have fear of being alone feelings of being selfish or guilty for not meeting the other person's needs. They can become irritable when others don't take their advice. Being the go-to person when someone is in need, covering for or taking the blame for another person, or giving away money which can lead towards depletion. What are some characteristics of a people pleaser, wants to be liked by others, seek to earn it by pleasing, rescuing, giving away money and things or flattery. They may even tell little white lies to spare people's feelings when they don't want to do something. They want reassurance through acceptance and affection. They can't express their own needs openly or directly. They make others feel obligated to reciprocate. The people pleaser may want to earn acceptance by helping others. They put other people's needs ahead of their own. When they do this, they become resentful and sometimes bitter because the other person doesn't do the same. They harbor anger, regret, and resentment from feeling used. At times, they may feel responsible for other people's behavior. Saying yes becomes a habit, and for others, it can become an addiction that makes them feel needed to someone else's life. Feelings of security and self-confidence come from getting the approval of others. Remember, Angela, in our very first podcast, Episode one was when to say yes, when to say no, and when to say yes. Yes. <laughs> if you want to know more about this subject, listen to our very first episode. We'll have the link in the show notes. I think this is a consistent theme for you and me. <laughs> <laughs> As you were describing the people pleaser, I'm sure people can see themselves in all of those characteristics and traits. I want to explore the connection between caring too much and feeling anger and then covering for others, doing for others and how those addictive behaviors form of a people pleaser and the stories that the people pleaser makes up to support the behavior and also they're continuing to care too much and feeling anger because they're covering or doing for others. So I'll start with my experience. Uh, even now, I'm still practicing to say no 
and to not care what others think and to become more clear as I ask for what I need or even just understand what I need. So I have chronic people-pleasing traits and I've had to understand the stories that I created to justify those traits instead of changing the behaviour. And I'm still practising to not worry if I say no to others and come up with better solutions that suit my needs. So this all started early in life in my childhood and I started doing things in the hope of getting approval from others. And as a child, I didn't have much hope that their, their approval would make me a better person or feel better about myself. So that meant that I kept trying and trying and trying lots of things to seek approval for others because somehow from the child brain, I thought, well, even if I get their approval, it won't be enough. So I'll keep doing it. And maybe if I keep doing it, I'll get their approval. So by nature, you can never win as a people pleaser because you're constantly having to do more to get the approval. And so that meant I kept doing things to get people just to tolerate me. <laughs> they didn't have to like me. They could just tolerate, tolerate me. And it created a, a loop in my thinking that made me addicted to seeking out approval and doing people-pleasing behaviour because whatever I did would never be enough for them to actually like me. And one specific example of this physical behaviour was that I might pick up trash in the school grounds and the shared wash areas of the toilets because I knew that was the right thing to do. Trash in America, we say trash, but in litter, in Australia, we say litter or rubbish. So it was the pieces of paper or plastic that were left around. And in my mind, I was hoping that someone was watching and would see I was being a good girl. However, I made a point of not doing it when there was, of doing it when no one else was around and watching, just to show myself that I wasn't doing it to get approval from others. And I really was a good girl. And that was when the stories began about how good a person I really am. But underneath that was still that embedded belief I wasn't good enough. However, there were times I started to feel uncomfortable doing this activity because I knew I didn't put the rubbish there. But I thought that somehow by doing this random activity, I could earn brownie points. And you can see how children are conditioned to behave well. Um, Freud talks about it, but I'm not going to go into that here. So as a teenager, I had a really clear memory challenging this behavior or questioning it. I was still doing this behavior of picking up people's rubbish when no one was around. And it made me feel I was doing the right thing, even though it wasn't my responsibility to pick up other people's rubbish. And I remember feeling confused as a teenager. Why was I doing this? Was I being a good girl? Was I doing the right thing? Was some all-seeing God going to think, oh, she's such a good girl? Or was I just doing my part to contribute to not destroying the environment? And that last one, not destroying the environment, that really made me feel good. I landed on that one in the 80s because I am very passionate about nature. And in the 80s in Australia, we were really concerned about not destroying the environment. We came up with a phrase 
in Australia called Keep Australia Beautiful. So I attached to that. <laughs> Yet it did go through my mind and it still does. How come other people don't care about where they put their trash, especially in the washrooms? And in Australia, we, we did public cleanup days where everybody came together and we had to pick up. And so we did that publicly, but still when people were not doing the public cleanup days, they were often leaving their rubbish. And that used to annoy me. That's where the anger used to come out. And even to this day, I have kept the habit of unwrapping the toilet paper roll in public restrooms to prepare for the next person who will come just so that they have the toilet paper there. And I throw away the wrapping of the toilet paper and the inside roll so that they won't have the opportunity to throw that stuff on the floor. Because then I think, well, what if I just preempt their rubbish behavior by throwing it away so they don't have a chance to do it? And, and you could say that I'm paying it forward because I know how awful it is to be stuck at a cubicle without toilet paper. But note how I also do that behaviour because I want to avoid the prospect of someone throwing the wrapper and the tube inside the toilet paper on the floor. So then I don't have to deal with it later. This is classic people-pleasing behaviour. You'll actually preemptively do a behaviour so you don't have, to avoid, don't have to face the prospect of someone not doing the job the way you think it should be done. So that current habit is still connected to my addiction to trying to be a good girl from childhood. And my concern as a child to do the right thing for approval did give me a sense of caring about our shared public spaces and not leaving trash behind. But why was I overcompensating and picking up after others? That very small habit about picking up after myself and others is a really important example of how a people pleaser will try to do things for others without knowing or thinking about the boundaries of what is your responsibility and what is the responsibility of other people. And it also shows you how the people pleaser as a child and later on in life will just fall into unconscious behaviours that they think is the right way to do things. But really, they are behaviours that you tell yourself is the right thing to do. And that even if your teachers, parents or society say it's a good thing, you're still investing in that story and telling yourself, yes, that's the right thing to do. And because you've invested in the story, then you can guilt others if they, if they don't do the same behaviour as you, or you can get angry at others if they don't behave as you do, or you can feel that others should respond to what you're doing as if you're a great person. And then you get angry because they don't appreciate what you're doing because that is why you're spending all this effort to get their appreciation when really that other person can appreciate you for picking up the trash by reciprocating that in another way or in a way that makes sense to them, like washing dishes in a very specific manner, which gives them pleasure. But a people pleaser may attach to you have to do it this way because that's how much they've invested in the story of how they get approval. So my desire to receive approval for being a good girl led to an addiction to hoping 
someone would notice how much I contributed without seeking recognition. Instead of me developing a clear sense of this is what I'm contributing and choosing to do. And as a consequence, I also developed, um, or I didn't, I lacked the skill of asking others, what are you going to do? What are you going to contribute in exchange for what I offer? So people pleasers, because they do, 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 don't ask and don't see what other people are doing and contributing. They can become arrogant as well. And in my personal life and my business life, this has led to a lot of consequences where I didn't have habits of being clear about what I was contributing. And so others would impose what they wanted on me. And then later, I had to develop skills. Patty can help you a lot more with that than me about how to get clear about what I'm contributing and clarifying for myself what I contribute is and how that's of value to the relationship. So now I can see that learning to pick up rubbish as a child is a great habit to have, but I don't have to expect others to do the same. And I can encourage a society where we learn to create shared responsibility for our waste because I'm very passionate about that still, but that doesn't mean I have to go around the park picking up other people's trash and the lesson of not picking up others' trash is really important because it leads to other complications that I've had in my healing work, which I'll share more about later. And Patty's got some important actions for us to listen to about controlling our people-pleasing behaviours. Yes. So here are some action steps to control people-pleasing tendencies. Number one, remember you can't be everything or do everything for everyone. Number two, it's okay to say no and have a fallout with someone. Number three, acknowledge the only person you can change is yourself. Number four, be aware of giving too much. This hurts you and relationships rather than helps. Number five, it's okay to ask for help or delegate tasks. Number six, ask yourself, why do you think you have to do this action or say yes? Number seven, if you are saying yes to receive acknowledgement or recognition, how does this recognition help you? Is there another way to receive acknowledgement that is better for you? Where could you desire or be connected to the need to be accepted? And is this serving you now? Number eight, what priority for you should you focus on? And we are going to address being okay, saying no, and having a fallout with someone in our next podcast, which is on communicating in conflict. Patty, how is people pleasing and saying yes to a boss or superior more complicated or the same as saying yes and pleasing someone in your personal life and relationships? 
Wow, Angela, yes, it is definitely different. Of course, you want to be respectful and please your boss. But also, if you are overwhelmed with tasks that you need to complete and really can't take on any more until you complete those other job duties, you really need to communicate it and explain what tasks you still have and if your boss wants you to put those aside or do they want you to do those other tasks let them make the decision and they're aware of the other tasks are not being worked hopefully they will delegate some of those other tasks that need to be completed um, for those projects to somebody else one of the worst things that you can do is keep coming in early and staying very late every night to get everything completed. This is not fair to you and your family, while others you may work with could help because they have finished all of their work duties. Supervisors have a tendency to go to that people pleaser first because they know they'll do a job well done and get it finished and that sounds like with the um, boundaries about completing tasks and what you can and can't do that's something that you've worked on with me through the 21 days to work-life balance program as well like what when your work spills over and takes over your life and how you you need to actually work out what you can and can't do which a people pleaser may not know how to do because they've got the addiction to right soldiering on yeah a people pleaser is doesn't have work-life balance and they're <laughs> also they can become a workaholic too ah and i wanted to address item four from the action steps which was being aware of giving too much and how this hurts you and your relationships rather than helps. In my healing work, this has been very significant because if you're an empath and I'm a kinesthetic empath, it means you pick up feelings and the energy of the person and I pick up when I work or dance with them, which means that sometimes uh, an empath can often feel they're doing a good thing when they're picking up someone's emotions and it, it's not good many times it's actually quite negative so I've been picking up emotions and energy since I was a child and when I was young I used to feel good validated doing this for example if mum was upset I felt better when I felt her suffering because in my imagination I was helping her by feeling her suffering but in actuality I wasn't changing her suffering because that's was her stuff. And I knew my mum felt better. She felt validated by me because she used to share her hurt feelings with me, which she didn't do with the other siblings I've got. And that's always been interesting to me. But even though she shared her feelings, it still didn't change the hurt she was feeling, even though it gave her some relief. So as a result as a child, I learned to take on her feelings and other people's feelings. And I started internalizing them. So sure enough, 
I started to feel mum's anger and hurt later on as an adult. And that did not help my love relationships when I was carrying that anger and hurt. One negative consequence was that I would have explosions of anger with a partner. And those explosions surprised me <laughs> more than my partner. I was actually shocked as at how deep the hurt was. So eventually in my own healing work, I realized I was carrying my mum's hurt because as a child, I felt that was the right thing to do. Again, I lost my boundary between my feelings and my mother's feelings. And believe me, this happens so easily between the mother and child. So it's nothing unusual I was doing, but as a child, I just didn't understand that that wasn't a, a safe thing to do with my mum's feelings. So later as a healer and a kinesthetic empath, the most fascinating thing has, to be, has been to learn the difference between knowing when I'm picking up someone's feelings and I experience those feelings versus getting an intuition about the feelings through what you call clairsentience. Clairsentience is when you understand intuitively what's going on for the first person through sensing their feelings, their emotions, their mind, their spirit and their body. And you don't jump into the emotion and embody the emotion. If you think about it, like when a child has a temper tantrum, sometimes they're picking up the energy of the world around them, not just your family, but the other environment. So an intuitive clairsentient will know, will sense the emotions, but won't actually jump into them. And as an empath, a healing empath, by feeling a person's emotion, sometimes I actually feel that pain in my body, but I don't have to then identify it as mine. And what I've learned is that many of us do this. We pick up others' emotions, we carry them without realising we're doing this, and that creates all sorts of problems, such as making someone else wrong or guilty for the way that you feel, <laughs> but you've actually jumped into their emotion. When actually in a relationship, you can feel what the person's feeling and experience it without taking on that emotion it's a very difficult thing for us to do but it as I work with relationships it's one of the most important things to learn so the problem as a people pleaser and this is where the damage can come in is you can feel validated if you suffer with the person if you feel what they're feeling and you feel like you're doing a good thing so what I've learned from Claire's sentience is it means you need to develop a stronger relationship with your intuition so you don't just jump into people's emotions. And my relationship with my intuition has taken me years, so that does take practice. However, it's also taught me that feeling a person's emotions and suffering those emotions is not the same as helping that person. If you jump into their emotions without being able to see it from a bird's eye point of view, you're not actually able to really help them. And often a people pleaser will develop habits where they think they're helping people by saying yes, but really you're actually creating and supporting a story that you have about being a good person or a good enough person. And once you know your story about being a good person, 
you can actually start asking questions. Is this really the most helpful response in this situation? Is feeling I need to carry something for someone or pick up their rubbish actually helping them? Or is this something I need to look at about my own behaviour? Do I have a story about feeling good enough if I feel other people's emotions or pick up others' emotional baggage? Do I think they can't dispose of their own emotions or trash? (laughs) Or am I just projecting a story about helping others so I can receive something of value in return? Because deep down, I don't know if I'm valuable or worthy and I don't know how to appreciate myself. The story is created by a people pleaser to justify your actions and choices are very subtle and they cover up the true story that you, you feel you're not enough to state what you want or you don't know what you want. You don't know how to discern what you want. And the damage to your relationships of believing these stories that justify people pleasing is that you actually delay discovering your true worth and that's certainly been my, my life story. And you keep yourself locked in suffering other people's emotions. And you might be guilting others as well for not meeting your needs. Patty and I have had uh, a lot of years of experience overcoming people pleasing. So the answer is listening to others who overcome people pleasing like Patty and myself, finding out what tripped us up and how we reconnect to our true self-worth and how we communicate our value in the world. And you can find out more about working with us below. And if you want to learn specifically about kinesthetic healing, you can learn in with me in the online movement classes. And I've got a link in the show notes as well, where you can sign up for the newsletter and get a free class when you sign up. A people pleaser may struggle with work-life balance as well, and I have created a self-study at your own pace 21 days to optimal work-life balance program that addresses how to say no for people pleasers and make better boundaries so others don't take advantage of you. I will put the link in the show notes as well. If you have a topic or a question for us, please leave us a message on the Anchor app. Did you enjoy our podcast? Please leave us a a review. How about becoming a monthly supporter? Click on the support button in the Anchor app. By supporting this podcast, your donations help us continue to produce future episodes. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to Building Better Relationships with Angela and Patty. Send us a message. And please like or share the podcast or donate with the Anchor Donate button. We really value your feedback.